Guys, you know, I am a, uh, I'm a true sicko for, and a longtime sicko, by the way, for like pundits, columnists. You know, I, I love like, ever since I was a young lad. That's why you, you're wearing your Jerry Sullivan t-shirt right now. I'm wearing my I Heart <laughs> Mike Harrington t-shirt. Uh-huh. And I, yeah, I just love it. I've, I've always been, I would, I would read the Buffalo News when I was a kid and uh, I would read like the, the viewpoint section. And I'm like, and we're talking, I mean, we're, we're talking deep in the tank. We're talking your George Wills, mm-hmm. your Charles Krauthammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite, who's your favorite? Did you guys have a favorite like columnist or like a uh, opinion writer? I, I always, for the lulls, like the William F. Buckley Jr. Oh, William yeah. F. Buckley! Okay, okay. I was a Molly I was a Molly Ivins fan. I love Molly Ivins, you know, pour one out for Molly. Mm-hmm. She was she was the best. But you know, I mean look, our our favorite is is Hot Rod. We mm-hmm. we we love we love Hot Rod. Um, you know, I do have one. Andy Rooney. Oh, Andy mm-hmm. Andy Rooney. That's right. He's always so like I remember cranky. One. He's always so grumpy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. But and you it, know, and his eyebrows were basically the very hungry caterpillar. From- <laughs> now, all right. So I, I told you I love pundits. So doing a little research for this episode, I was like, who are some some classic pundits, right? And so I searched like 2003 pundits. It was just how my brain worked for the SEO. And you, you will love this, Snake. It, you know, you're always like advocating for like a baby this, like, like a profession, but done by babies. Yeah. Okay. I found back in 2003... You could be 14 years old and get a book deal and be a pundit. Is that where Matt wow. Gates came from? I, it, it might be, <laughs> it might have been. Look, look at this shithead. There, there's a kid oh, named Kyle Williams. Yeah. I don't know if he went on to play for the Buffalo Bills. But I do know that America... So, Jim... This this kid this look at this fucking little shithead mm-hmm. he looks like uh he looks like he looks like Kyle Rittenhouse he he looks a like the kid bit. from Roseanne yeah <laughs> Kyle Williams he he had a book uh, Kyle Williams a fourteen year old political pundit and writer uh challenges the old saying that children should be seen and not heard so he, he, they should be both seen and heard so back in two thousand three you could get away with this and probably make like. I don't know, at least $100,000. I mean, now with the new labor laws in Arkansas, kids are going to have to get back into the bookshops. The bookshops, the mines. Right, the mines. They work in the, the old Gutenberg press. So That's Ameri- when people still bought books, too. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. And So back, listen, CNN interviewed, CNN interviewed this kid. He had a 209-page book, uh, Seen and Heard, America's Youngest Pundit Tackles the Lies and the Truths of Politics and Culture. I'm sure he knows all about it. I mean, he might now because that was 20 <laughs> years ago. So he is actually like my age. Yeah. But when I was 14 years old, like who the fuck wants to hear from a 14-year-old about? My guess is his parents owned a restaurant in D.C. and hid under the tables and listened to conversations. That's, this, that's like an Ender's Game type shit. There's a 14-year-old political pundit. <laughs> 2000, and he had a 200-page book. Wow. I mean, it could have been all fucking drawings. Right. But, it, you know, still, somebody was like, hey, let's take the baby pundit. Mm-hmm. Let's give him a book deal. Half the book was just his wish list from the uh, the Sears wish book for the annual Christmas catalog. I'm going to be 40 in a month, and I still don't have a mastery of the English language enough to write a, a book that people would want to read. I bet you could outwrite the baby pundit. I'm not sure I could. 
We need we need more. Uh, we need I, more I, if, if, if you if you started your detective series about the Cheektowaga tough guy, <laughs> you could be the new James Patterson. Are you referring to Binks? Binks. Binks. All right. Well, welcome back to the square. Your number one source of baby pundit and uh, and, and Binks the. <laughs> Uh, Binks the Cheektowaga tough guy. Not a baby. Not a no. no We've established can, it's canon that he's not a baby. Right. He is. In fact, it's much more comical that he's an adult that has a pacifier. Middle aged man. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the news. We're here. We we love to be just completely up in arms, Jim. My arms are up. Yep. What is that for? Does that mean like guns up in arms? Probably. Okay. I, I, it's, it's probably something about the French Revolution. Really, I always thought it was like you threw your hands up and you were. The roof is on fire. Well, no, I mean, you know, when you're frustrated, you, your hands go up. You're like, ah, like you're dismissive of something. Uh, when, when I'm when I'm frustrated, my hands go in my pockets, and then I, I then I, I kick a stone and say, "Rats, <laughs> daw shucks, <laughs> nuts." Oh. Well, our arms are up or down or wherever they are, but we're we're mad. We're mad as hell. Uh, not like Carl Pelletier. You know, that's a different kind of mad. But we are we are mad as hell. Jim, what are we mad about today in the Ellicott District? I'd like the Hatter. Oh man! Oh, we didn't introduce ourselves. You know us, I'm Marie. Right, Diamond Jim, Baby Snake. Okay. Uh, Ellicott District uh, Buffalo News today has an article profiling the Ellicott race a little bit. Uh, you've got uh, a couple of uh, definitely announced candidates. You've got uh, Halton Pope. Uh, you've got the Reverend Michael Chapman. You've got Matt Deering, who we had on the show, mm-hmm. and then you've got some speculation that multiple-time congressional candidate Eddie Egro might run for Ellicott. Let's now, go. now, Chapman, interestingly enough, is not a registered Dem, so he's not going to be involved in the Democratic primary. He can't run on any line. He has to create his own. Uh, I wonder if a political neophyte knows how to do independent nominating petitions. They're different than designating petitions. I have my suspicions, but like we'll see if he's getting outside help. Maybe he can actually get this done. But what would he name his party? You have to give him your number. What What would he name? Like, because you have to come up with a new name for a party. Ooh. And what? And and and, and there's like a guidebook of like symbols you could use as like your icon that like to show up on the ballot yeah i can't wait to see what he picks oh it's almost assuredly some version of a cross if there's one in there one thousand percent yeah i hope it's the prince symbol that would be amazing now that would be now i might consider you know we love matt deering but i would consider right like if if, like if he he runs on like the purple rain party hell yeah right Mm. now that would be that would be a hell of a line that's now that's that's that slaps that that's a slapper. Yeah. Now talk to me, Jim. So look, we know that anytime, you know, there's a bit of a power vacuum, there's going to be, you know, a, a lot of names that'll bubble up to try to fill that seat. And there's no clear successor mm-hmm. to Darius Pridgen. I mean, Halton Pope is probably the clearest as like, you know, she comes out of like Assemblywoman Crystal People's office. You know, her husband is in politics. You know, she she's probably the most of of any of the current candidates, the one who's probably the clearest, like not anointed, but clearest fault, like successor. I think Betty Jean Grant mentioned that there might be another woman who's looking at that race, but I can't remember who it is. Um, somebody will have to tell me on Discord or on Twitter um, who it is. I mean, so we're looking at potentially a very jammed up primary uh, it is petition season now, so we'll see how many of them actually make it on. Uh, if you've got favorite candidates, contact their campaign and go out there and help them petition. Petitioning in the winter sucks. Yep. It, it wasn't a lot of fun when it was in June. It really blows when you're doing it in the snow. Now, notably, the Democratic Committee did not 
uh, nominate anybody for this district. They did not endorse. They did uh, not endorse, excuse me. Yeah, uh, I believe the line that was being told is that they were just having trouble getting the committee together, which mm-hmm. is a lot of horseshit. Obviously, if Pridgen was running for re-election, that committee would have got together like that. Right. There's, I think there's some infighting going on there. Um, I, there's a couple of different factions, and I don't know that they're necessarily enthused about Halton Pope. Um, and so they're going to give everybody a free run and, and let it be a wide open primary. Is this the most interesting primary race of the season? Uh, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see who files petitions for the county executive. But oh. uh, <laughs> uh, so far, this is shaping up to be the most interesting primary because it's going to be so wide open. It's yeah. it's going to be really tough to handicap. Igru, well, who knows? I mean, maybe he learned how to do petitions right last year. Maybe not. Maybe not. Who knows? Uh, that that could have been a one off. Um, <laughs> he's been trying. Yeah, he's been he's been learning for a long time. Halton Pope will certainly have a lot of support uh, from certain groups. Deering will have support from certain groups. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see who, if anyone, gets the working families line because that might mean we you know, like regardless, we might have a race in November, especially if Chapman is is serious about creating an independent nominating. And you know, really, that if there is a an elegant race in November, that's like that's that's music to the county executive's ears. Like, bring out the Democrats in the city of Buffalo. Show up, people. You know, when races like these, and by the way, you're a thousand percent right on this, Jim. It's the petitions aren't in yet. Mm-hmm. So this is like kind of a moot point. Yeah. Um it very well could just be like one or two people in the race. Right. You know, like and we're 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 already talking Eddie agree you here. Um you know I don't I don't know. I don't know how serious some of this are, but we do know, I mean, for sure, Matt Deering is going to be in the race. Leah Halton Pope is going to be in the race. Right. Um, you know, beyond that, we we don't know. But I do think that in campaigns like this, where there seems to be uncertainty, you know, there seems to be like a little bit behind the scenes squabbling in the Democratic Party. Again, there's no un- anointed successor. There is obviously Leah Halton Pope is, you know, in the mold of Darius Pridgen and probably has a lot of the same base support. But the Dems are, you know, Matt Deering is clearly has enough favor within sections of the Democratic Party where they're not, you know, putting him as a full outsider. Mm -hmm. So I think what really a lot of what the party wants to see is who's going to be more organized, who's going to tap into the community, like who's going to have a tighter campaign. Right. You know, full disclosure, we're friends with Matt. Um, I'll, I'll be supporting his campaign. Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we he's got the square it, bump. Yeah, we keep it real. I mean, we're likely going to endorse him, or mm-hmm. we've already endorsed. I don't fucking know. Right, but but just taking off our our friend and you know supporter hat and putting on our political our baby pundit hat. Um, I really, <laughs> it's it's going to come down to like who is more organized and who has like better staff who goes out in the district and you know really has their kind of finger on the pulse of the district and, and knocks the doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a lot of grunt work to get this campaign done. I know we live in a time where, like, everything is, like, so ideologically, like, oh, is it going to be the left-wing candidate? Is it going to be, like, the centrist candidate? And, again, I want to reiterate, Jim, like, campaigns like this, like, it sort of matters, but not really. No, I mean, a lot of this is just going to be hard work. A lot of, a lot of hard work. However, however, we're, we'll talk about another race, Jim. Let's talk about, let's let's move on from Ellicott to the North. Mm. We the North. Right. I've been watching, uh, I watched actually the entire History of the World Part 2, and there is some Civil War stuff in there. So, speaking of the North, uh, get on that on Hulu Plus. You think uh, you think Joe Golombek is going to lead us into the Civil War, you say? Yeah, I, I, well, I, he's he's our Ulysses S. Grant. 
He might be happier being Robert E. Lee. Um, <laughs> we have a very interesting uh, little write-in article in the uh, Ampole Eagle, Jim. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's Boy, interesting. Hold on to your asses for this one. Yeah. Uh, former Councilman Dave Franzak wrote an article basically saying that, like, North has to vote for Joe Kalambek because we need to have at least two Polish guys on the Common Council. <laughs> Does anybody on this podcast have any thoughts about that? I mean... The city of Buffalo total, as of like 2020 census, is a little under like 40% white. He wants 22% of the Common Council to be represented by Polish Americans. Seems a little high. I mean, and there's been, like, Nowakowski's getting a free run. So, like, Mitch is going to be on the committee or be on the council. You know, so, like, I don't, it's crazy to me that, like, he's arguing, like, in, Black Rock Riverside, which isn't nearly as Polish as it used to be. Right, right. I mean, there's a lot of immigrants and refugees living in that that neighborhood now, yeah. uh, among other minority groups. And he's like his basically his argument is like, well, Joe's Polish, so therefore he's the best. I mean, right. He he wrote this like insane hagiography about Joe Golombek, where it's like he's a true son of Polonia. Yeah. Oh, um you know, like this whole thing about how his his parents fell in love. They moved to Buffalo from Poland after World War II. You know, Joe Jr. And there's some telling details, by the way. Here, uh, you know, he obviously touches on Joe Golombek's love of the history of Canada. And oh, really? You mentioned that, huh? Oh yes. Oh, oh yes. Boy. He listen to this. He recently turned me on to a new biography of Polish leader Joseph Pilsudski, known for defeating the Russian communists at the Battle of Warsaw in 1920. Um, you know, Joe, uh, Joe. Joe's trending in a certain direction. Just yeah, just saying. Uh, you know, we we know. But look, uh, my favorite part of this gym. Well, no, nothing in there qualifies him to be a representative of that, or that, that he's district, more right. But he he did write that like that he without mentioning Eve Shippens by name that she's a dangerous leftist. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, he did. He did actually end up uh, mentioning Eve Shippens. Oh, did he? He did. He did. So, uh, well, first off, he here here's his fucking little justification for for joe golombek's tenure on the council all right he was a hands-on council member guys uh i sir so this is hands on what well he has hands on something uh and this is now dave franzak former fillmore district council member long time he was a council president at one point jim right yeah franzak right so this is dave franzak in the ampole eagle uh i served with golombek or glumbeck i don't know how to pronounce it i served with Joe for most of his two decades on the Buffalo Common Council, and although we didn't agree on every issue, I had I admired his zealous dedication for serving his constituents in a myriad of issues from crime to housing concerns, infrastructure, and basic city services like snow plowing and trash removal. <laughs> he recently was critical of what he thought was spotty city response to the ice storm, which recently hit the area. Was he critical? Do we do we have any record of him being critical of what the city did? For I mean, the I storm? I don't go to every council meeting. Maybe they talked when they were out at Fish Fry one night. And right, that's what he's referring to. Over a bottle of Krupnik. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to say, as a very Polak man, I don't give a shit about the representation. Right. Yeah. Of the city. Yeah. Come on. Who o- gives a shit? Also Polish and who, like who cares? Right. No. All right. So Councilmember Gollenbeck has sponsored numerous pieces of substantive substantive legislation on a myriad of city issues aimed at a quality of life 
police protection, and improving city services. Wait, 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 wait. That's that's bullshit. Like they just passed a local law like a year and a half ago, and they didn't know how to do it because, like, because <laughs> so they, they haven't done anything substantive in like twenty years. Jim, he sponsored. They not saying they passed it. They sponsored numerous pieces of legislation. Yeah, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. We know that they don't pass shit. Mm-hmm. They don't know. They, and right, you're right. We found out that they actually don't know how to pass a law. Amazing. But he has been the longtime chairperson of the Common Council's Community Development Committee, which handles all building and development projects in the city. You're doing great, Joe. If if that's mm-hmm. if that's your fucking thing, you're hanging your head on. Uh, yeah, it looks like shit. Love it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Jim, to your point about one. So this is Dave uh, Franzek here. One opponent supports defunding the police. And so he goes in this whole spiel about Eve Shippens, a hardcore supporter of failed socialist mayoral candidate India Walton. Uh, Shippens has been photographed marching with a crowd of angry extremists brandishing defund the police signs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> a misguided policy which jeopardizes people's safeties in high-crime communities. Um, another, oh, but there might be another opponent. Another possible opponent to Councilmember Gollumbeck in the June Democratic primary is reported to be Lisa Thaggard, uh, an African-American social worker, and he put social worker, like he put social worker in caps, like the S and the W. Mm. Oh. I I don't know what's going on there. An African, not, yeah, it's not proper. An African-American social worker whose main issue appears to be criminal bail reform, um, although the Common Council has no jurisdiction over this issue. Unless she's the social worker. Oh, yeah. like the, like the, the social, only. Yeah. Right. The social worker. Right. In, in light of her son's reported arrest for narcotics use. So basically he's kind of shitting on both of the right. you know, other presumably left of center candidates who would be uh, running in the race. If only um, they were Polish. <laughs> Jesus. If only they were Polish. And uh, Eve Shapinski. Shapinski. Shep- oh, Eve Shapinski. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, listen, I, I don't know. I, you're, you're, you know, this isn't my community. I, when he speaks to Polonia, he's not speaking to me. But um, I mean, I do think like I don't think he's speaking to me either. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, you're not reading the Ampol Eagle no, week in week. No, no, I don't subscribe to that. No, nuts. Um, I don't know. I mean, fuck. Dave, it is weird, Jim, right? Like, but help me out here. This is a little strange to see Dave Franzak stumping for, I, like, I know they're longtime friends, obviously. Right, yeah. So that part's not weird. I, I don't know. We haven't heard from Dave Franzak on anything in a long time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is a little strange uh, and to come out and like, be like this, like xenophobic or tribal, right? Like, yeah, it's very unusual for somebody to be like, you, you have to vote for this person because they're Polish. We haven't had a lot of that. I like, listen, this is a, this is a hallmark of like a, a different time in Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, this, this shit is like, that's, this is like 1950s shit. Old school shit. Right. Right. I mean, even up into like, I don't but know. Even like the eighties or nineties. Eighties or nineties. But clearly some of it still exists. Yeah. Right? I mean, some of it still exists. It, it's residual in a lot of ways. And I think probably the places you'd see it most are what South Buffalo. Yeah. You know, I, I mean been a while since we've had a non-irish common council member and from south buffalo i'm just saying mm-hmm. um you know a lot of that like uh ethnic based politics is still very much alive and well but at the same time we just haven't seen such a naked open call to it from a community yeah uh, that's what's kind of jarring well and, and from somebody who you know was a long time elected official i mean this isn't like you know you know stan kowalski writing Please vote for the the Polish guy, like you know, just some you know, no name, you know, member of the community. 
this is Dave Franzek, the you know former uh, president of the Common Council, the longtime Common Council member. It's 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 really glaring. It's it's it's. I mean, it's it's just so insane. I I really I I would have rather read the baby pundit book than read that <laughs> terribly written article by Dave Franzek. Dave Franzek should not either be seen or heard. Yeah, get out of here. Well, you know, let, let's focus a little bit on the. Uh, uh, outside the city, Jim. Let's let's move a uh, move a pace here. Um, no, no, in the other in the other primary, there's no developments at this point in, right. in, in the Maston primary. So uh, we'll we'll keep it moving. No developments on the mayor either. That's still a giant fucking question mark. It's, right. What's going to happen with the mayor? We don't know. Right. A university is is Wyatt versus Frank, Franco. We know that. That's that's where it's at. Nothing's happening there. With Let's Go Pills, I wanted to make a beer that was similar to the beers I grew up drinking in in the tailgate. And I wanted a clear American lager that was crisp and, and just really sharp. It, it takes the classic American lager and, and we, we showcase craft ingredients made by locals, made by fans, uh, to be shared by fans. Bring community to all that you do and good things happen. But we do know, Jim, when Mark Schroeder kind of you know took a step back from uh, political life i i was i was a little sad because mm-hmm. we lost we lost the shrow dog right which is my personal favorite nickname for a political figure mm-hmm. but thankfully we we have we have the og shrow dog right bud schroeder he's back apparently he was like around a long time ago yeah william bud schroeder william bud schroeder when's the last time you met a bud like like uh, somebody who honest to god was called bud in a very long time it's, I mean, ain't no rule that says a dog can't play basketball. <laughs> they really, uh, they really should check that rule out. <laughs> <laughs> ain't, ain't no rule that a bud can't run for county executive. Yeah. Well, keep an eye on this, Jim. But there does appear to be a little bit of a rift. Yeah, yeah. Between the Republicans and the conservatives. Yeah. Uh, Ralph Larigo making some power plays uh, clearly doesn't respect the authority of Michael Crocker. And so the conservatives, as they want to do, turning to a fresh face like 80-year-old Bud Schroeder, the youngest member of the conservative party, Bud Schroeder. It's Bud's for you. So Bud Schroeder, you know, he's a longtime political. He's like, in, he is in his 80s. Like, we're not making that up. Yeah. Um, he is like an 80-year-old man who... A lot of aspiring octogenarians nowadays, mm-hmm. aren't there? I mean, he could be president, you know? It, hey, but... Uh, is, like, like, is is he on like the right medication? Is he even allowed to go up to the sixteenth floor? <laughs> it's tough to say, tough to say. But um, look, Schroeder is as of right now going to be the name that Joe Larigo. I'm sorry, Ralph Larigo. Right. Well, you know, whatever they work hand in hand usually, but Ralph Larigo is going to put on the conservative line, notably. But Schroeder has said, "I'm not actually running." This is from a Buffalo News article, by the way, um, entitled uh, Rift Between Erie County Conservatives, GOP Could Help Poland Cars, and Erie County Executive Race, which, okay, it could help him. Also running against Chrissy Casilio Bloom is also going to fucking help him. He's just going to steamroller. But if there is a both a Republican and a conservative on the ballot, yeah, of course it'll help him. Right. Um, I, I, you know, and Schroeder, Bud Schroeder said... In this article, that I'm not actually running, I'm just gonna be a name on the ballot. We we haven't seen that in a while either, Jim. Usually, it's one of the major parties screwing with the minor lines and doing that. 
Right. It's not the minor line screwing with the major parties. I often think to myself, Jim, like the only reason that the Working Families Party is around is because of Ralph Larigo. Because otherwise, New York State would love to get rid of uh, like the fusion and the third party stuff uh, for the most part. But the conservatives really are the, the tail that wags the dog. Yeah. With the Republicans around here. So it is awfully interesting to see that a young Master Crocker, you know, mm-hmm. new to uh, the Republican chair role, uh, getting into a huge debacle here potentially with the uh, with ralph Lariga. It's, it's been a pretty auspicious start to his chairmanship you know uh his is one countywide elected official uh is a democrat a wrote and rolled democrat mickey kearns um and he basically got ruled out of running for county executive because the attorney general is investigating him uh so he had to turn to uh christy kaboom uh <laughs> as his candidate uh, I'm assuming he got turned down by anybody with any kind of name. I mean, and you're right. Like it's lining up to be a pretty easy race com- comparatively for Poland cars right now. It looks like their plan of attack is we're not Mark Poland cars. Mark Poland cars is a bad guy. They're not going to offer like any ideas. And as I've said off, like always, like unless you're running against Donald Trump, the I'm not the other guideline doesn't work. Didn't work for John Kerry against George W. Bush. Didn't work for Lynn Dixon or Ray Walter against Mark Polonkars. And it looks like they're just going to run it back anyways. Do you mean the wildly popular county executive <laughs> that everybody seems to like who was the only hero really of the uh, blizzard here in Buffalo? Right. You mean that guy? Right. And, and they're going to run back like, we're not that guy. He's a terrible monster leftist who is an authoritarian and which nobody buys. Oh, and and they're going to do it with somebody with literally na- no name recognition mm. outside of Clarence. Let's talk about Clarence a little yeah. bit, Jim. Let's talk about Clarence because, you know, again, this is the Buffalo Snooze article, but uh, we read it for you. We we filter the good stuff out for you, right? We go through, we're, we're, we're like we're like gold diggers, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're shaking it out. There's a lot of, I don't know what's not, dirt? Is there a lot of dirt in there, Snake? Uh, dirt and, and, and stuff that's not gold. Right, right. You're our resident, uh, you know, gold expert here. Right. Yeah. You're you're our old prospector. Right. Oh, yeah. So we, you know, we're filtering out the water and the other minerals. Right. And, and we're getting some nice shiny gold flakes. Nice gold flakes. And so, gold flake here for you. The Clarence Grand Island and the Clarence Dems uh, think they're going to make a make a push here, according to the Buffalo News, Jim. Hey, at least they're trying. I mean, yeah, I will give them credit for that. That like, you know, there's been a long, long time in, especially Clarence, where the Dems just basically didn't run anybody, and it was just a free run for the Republicans. So you know, at least challenging and attempting to connect with people in those communities, great. But do you want Nate McMurray? Because this is how you get Nate McMurray. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do we want Nate? We want Nate McMurray. We want more Nate McMurray. I mean, it's got to be embarrassing. Like, I know, kind of different demographics, but the Amherst Dems just pantsing everybody else around them and if you're like dems in these other kind of surrounding areas you're like quit making us look bad mm. you know but clarence is clearly the hub for the republican hotbed of uh, of western new york right mm-hmm. like that, that's that that is where they grow them in the lab um that's where chrissy kaboom mm-hmm. is from obviously what, what's the relation to 
fucking Casilio and Clarence? Uh, is that family member? I think? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, her father Pat was supervisor. Her grandfather, I think, was supervisor or something. I shit. think her father Pat is running again for supervisor. Could be probably on. always supervisor. So that, that's, that's the Clarence Town Charter that there must always be a Casilio in charge. Right. It's like there must always be a Stark at Winterfell. Right, right, right. There must always be a Casilio on Goodrich. Uh, who else is from Clarence? Chris Collins is from Clarence, right? Yeah. Right. Like, there's a long tenured history of um, Western New York Republicans that come out of Clarence. So it's going to be tough sledding for any Democrat in Clarence. Grand Island, though, it wasn't that long ago that we had Dems in Grand Island. Uh, some. Some. Yeah, I mean, Grand Island's always been more Republican. You know, I mean... it. it yeah, I mean, yes, Nate McMurray was supervisor there, but you also have like insane people like Mike Madigan on the town council. So it's it's you know, you you win some, you lose some. Right. So you got to pick your battles and I applaud them for uh for trying, I guess. You know, I mean, you know, when you think about like when Chuck Swanick represented Grand Island in the county ledge when he was a Democrat before he switched over to Republican, um he was basically winning on like the strength of like the city of Tonawanda and town of Tonawanda carrying him. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You know, or in Kenmore. It's true. So I don't I don't think the Dems have much uh, chance in Grand Island or Clarence, but I mean, make them make them spend money, make them do the fight. Like, mm-hmm. the, I mean, I, I, I the, that's one thing that the Republicans generally do in the, in the towns is even like, you know, yeah, like, do they have much of a chance in Chictawaga? Not really, but they do have one member of the town board now because they always put somebody up and eventually like, you know, you're going to get one or two through make them do the work. I mean, Republicans don't try in Lackawanna, but it, the enrollment advantage there is like 16 to 1. It's like one of the craziest enrollment advantages for a municipality in the state. Right. We'll see what happens there. All right. Moving away from some of the political stuff, guys, we've got uh, city and region. Is that what we'd call it? If sure. We the, the, the Buffalo News. City and region. The Richardson Hotel. Uh, speaking of uh, Joe Golombek and, and city development. <laughs> The Richardson Hotel, opening at the site of the, um, is it the Richardson Complex? Gym? Yeah, the H.H. Richardson's, the former Buffalo Psych Center. Right, right, right. So we're going to have a hotel there. It's, uh, you, now you were following this beat, right, Snake? Oh, a little. I just saw a post comparing compi- uh, pictures from the Hotel Henry where they had like badass interior design. They hired, you know, really world renowned designers to for this place mm-hmm. uh, and then i guess there was a, it was contrasted with an, a current picture of the basic contractor grade <laughs> three star hotel furniture that right. was put in there by Doug Jamal and i i guess he just wanted to blow money on worse things right yeah know. yeah it's it seems I, like it was all set up for you right, already right and it was like, i would like to have a boutique hotel that nobody will want to spend the money on cuz it's just garbage right well, not garbage. It's fine. It'll be within five years. It'll be the best Western at the Richardson Complex. Yeah, the, yeah. You know, stayed at a Motel Eight last night. <laughs> uh, what, what was the one? We'll keep the light on for you. Yeah, was that Motel Eight? I forget what that one. Remember was. that one? Yeah, yeah, I do remember it. Yeah, I I, I, I remember I feel, that line, but not the motel. And I I like the little like fiddle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was Motel Eight. Whatever. Right. We'll have one of those fucking things in the right. city soon. So yeah, cut rate garbage. Micro tell or the, something. The, the green roof in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, Doug Jamal, um, our, our our boy Douglas. Sometimes you take your shots. Uh, sometimes they don't go in. Nobody beats the whiz. The whiz. Nobody beats the Doug. Yep. So yeah, the Richardson Hotel probably going to suck, but you know we'll see. Jim. Yeah. All quiet in the library. We need all quiet in the library. 
including shh, no children, no uh, no no displaced peoples. Mm-hmm. Really, nobody. Nobody after three p.m. in the library. Yep, you're out. Get the, get the fuck out of the library. The damn librarians said no. The downtown Buffalo Public Library has changed their hours. I, previously, it was I think it was five or six p.m. Yeah. during weekdays. It is now hilariously three p.m. is now going to be their closing time. A lot of people in the city are pretty upset about that, as you might imagine. Um, how are kids going to go to the library after school? If it closes at 3 p.m., school likely lets out at 2 to 3 p.m., right. so they won't have any time for any kind of after-school study. Adults, people who work, um, they still do go to the library, believe it or not. Uh, will not be able to get down there at fucking 3 o'clock if you have a job, um, mm-hmm. most likely. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people who are otherwise in the community have no real place to go, for some of them, other than the library, other than a public space, are no longer welcome. Right. I mean, this is just the central library. Right. The, you know, the, the the neighborhood libraries will still have their regular hours. Right, right, right. Something something needs to give here. Uh, you know, it is a gathering place. And, you know, for a lot of uh, displaced people in Buffalo, it's a warming spot. And I don't know exactly what was going on, but it seems like, I mean, I don't want more security at a place. But it seems like they need to, you know, empower their staff there a little bit more to keep rule, keep order. And, you know, maybe some of the staff wasn't feeling as safe as they, they should be able to feel in their positions in their job. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the ins and outs. Listen, at the end of the day, like, it sucks because I don't work at the library. You know, I, I'll, I'll confess to you that I haven't gone to the Buffalo Central Library in, in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, not since really I was a teenager, I would say. So who the... F- Fuck am I to like I'm my high horse to say, oh, they should get the library open. But civically, as like a person that lives mm-hmm. in the community, mm-hmm. I feel as though that should be open and available. Yeah. I mean right? it's yeah. I worked downtown up until twenty nineteen and I used to go to the library fairly fairly regularly, uh, partly to go to the cafe in there, but also, you know, to take a look at the exhibits and maybe get books out. Um, the computer section was always kind of rowdy, a little loud. Yeah. Uh, but like, not like obscenely loud, you know, like it, it wasn't like it was impossible to, you know, and, and most of the library was quiet. Um, I don't know what's changed since then, I, I guess. It, and they had security officers there. Right. It, it wasn't like there was, you had a free run. They had security officers at the central library. I go to the Kenmore library now and it's not like I have to worry about security officers when I walk in. <laughs> That's true. Actually, I have been there for a couple exhibits now that you mention it. There was like a. It's like a Buffalo in World War Two or World War One exhibit, I think, they had for a while there. It was, like, pretty unique. Bud uh, Schroeder was in that battle. Bud, Bud, <laughs> yes, whatever battle that was. The War of 1812, Bud was there. Yeah. Yeah, so, whatever. I, I It stinks, but I, I don't know. I, Snake, you got a take on the library? Uh, I, well, Snake's take? I would if I knew how to read. Mm. The baby pundit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the baby pundit who can't read. Wouldn't it be funny if that was my character arc? I learned how to read. Yeah, at, at, at forty years old from the Baby Pundit book, mm-hmm. seen and heard. Yeah, you'd have to see the, mm-hmm. the words and hear them. I'd rather people hear me than see me nowadays. No, but that's me. <laughs> well, they're they're losing out if they don't get to see. <laughs> Is that was that Baby Pundit book ever done like as a book on tape, where oh. like being read by like a fourteen year old? Yeah, it's got to be a kid's voice. I right. Fucking hope so. If not, I've got like a fourteen year old nephew. Like we, I can get him on it. Like I'll pull him out of school. 
He doesn't need to go to Lancaster. While, while he's doing it, though, he's got to have slick back hair. He's yeah. got to have a bow tie, maybe a little sport coat. Well, I was thinking, like, rather than a bow tie and, like, a current pundit, like, because we're going back in time, he'd be wearing, like, a sharkskin suit, like, Wall Street. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Still the slick back hair, like, but, Definitely like, yeah, slick back. but yeah, look like yeah. more like Pat Riley or, like, Michael Douglas in Wall Street. I gotcha. Yeah. That's right. You know, guys, if, um, if, if heaven was a place on earth, mm-hmm. and it might already be, it might already, it might already be here, guys, because... City, city or village? Village of not okay. The village of Lancaster basically opened the skies opened up over the village of Lancaster. God Himself blessed the local uh, political class of Lancaster with divine knowledge, saying, "Open containers." Yep, do it. Just like fucking I'm sorry, open containers of what? Anything you want. Oh. Containers. They're open. All right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe they have beer. Maybe they have, you know, what? What's another thing that you like to drink? Soda pop? No, I don't. I'm not a pop drinker. Truly, truly, maybe truly. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are things? Fago. You could have open containers of Fago, mm. and it's finally legal. Fago is legal with my clown makeup. Mm-hmm. Well, no, let's not get hasty. Right. Juggalos are still outlawed. In, <laughs> right. Yeah. In the village of Lancaster. Right. Yeah. But you can have an open container of magnets. Oh. <laughs> All right. All right. Village of Lancaster has, uh, was it a vote or did they just they, let it happen? They, no, they, they, uh, they passed it with the, the village board. Vill- uh, village of Lancaster, something like very cool compared to the town. Like the town's yeah. very conservative. And it's like in the town of Lancaster outside the village, you know, like they banned cannabis stores in the village. are like, come on, let's 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 have a cafe. Dump trucks full of cannabis just right. lining up. Just, in the you street. know, uh, like uh, there, there's going to be a fatties moving into the village of Lancaster, right? Yeah. In the like across the street from the uh, opera house slash town hall. And they're like, we've got the mead place. We've got the wine place. It's Fuck happening. it. Let's open containers. It's happening. I like to see it's like a resurgence of the neighborhood and village ba- based. Mm-hmm planning right yeah. it seems it seems like they're moving away from the hey let's build this weird remote development knock down all the trees and make it look cookie cutter mm-hmm. and you know that's really the way to go the more it's like a more european style right yeah they have a uh, the little walkable bikeable neighborhoods yeah i mean i, I you know it's I lovely think, i think you've got uh mayor lynn ruda out there doing a lot of good work in the village of lancaster mm-hmm. um and uh i think that uh, you know you, you're seeing some positive things in the village of lancaster um, which is really kind of a contrast to what the town's doing, but um, yeah. but now you can you can go to Fatty's, mm-hmm. grab a six pack of beer, and drink it while you walk to the library. Hell yeah! Now see, like I said, heaven is a place on earth, and it is a village of Lancaster. Mm-hmm. They know what they're doing out there. They do. Right? You know, we're we're way behind. We'll never have that shit in the city of Buffalo, by the way. Not once. The cops are already pissed off in general that you know cannabis, marijuana, THC. Is legal that you really don't have. Do they, do they, they don't force open container laws in Buffalo City, right? People, no, people but it does do give it. you well, a way d- to. It depends on the color of your skin. Oh, right. Yeah. It does give you a way to shake down some people. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Right. So the smell of marijuana is not necessarily enough to give somebody a hard time. But an open container will always be, mm-hmm. you know, the you, can, cause. Oh, you can always use it as, as an excuse. Right. So we, we will sadly probably never have that in the city of Buffalo. But. Uh, you know, if you're looking at Lancaster, village of Lancaster, not city. Do not go to the city. But the village. Town, you mean. There's village and town. There's no city of Lancaster. Well, there is. Well, it's in California. Right. Definitely don't go there. That's what I was saying. <laughs> Do not go to the city of Lancaster. Uh-huh. And and really don't go to the town. Uh, in the wide world of sports, Jim. Yes. 
this is not a West New York thing unless you're like from like, I don't know, downstate somewhere where you think like anything west of Albany is Western New York. But, uh, you know, Syracuse University, the Syracuse sports, very popular in Western New York. I think that probably the two top college sports programs in this area are probably Syracuse and Notre Dame as far as fans, fan base. Oh, you know, you're underselling. Uh, you're, uh, what were there? The Brown Bombers or no? What was, what was Bonaventure's old nickname? Oh, the so, the Brown Indians. Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh my God, it was worse than I remembered. Yeah. Oh boy, <laughs> you're really selling your alma mater, Jim. Well, I mean, but Bonaventure is isn't like nationally relevant. Syracuse mm. and Notre Dame are true. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm also understanding like the Niagara Purple Eagles here, but it's uh, true. You know, Syracuse longtime head coach of the men's basketball team, Jim Beheim, retired. Uh, may have been forced out. He, he retired pretty abruptly. Yes, it was. That's Very weird. Abrupt. Yeah. So and um, it wasn't this long, drawn out thing like Coach K, right? Right. Which I think they were just like, uh, we had enough of you, man. Right. Yeah. You know, Bayheim. Like you would have thought that you know he had earned a spot to like announce at the beginning of yes. season, this is my last season, right. and you know have people in, in Georgetown cheer for him and, and stuff like that. Uh, instead, uh, they unceremoniously got dumped in the ACC tournament, and out he goes. Fuck him. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I. Syracuse hasn't really been nationally relevant for uh, five to ten years. I would say five. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're still somewhat relevant. I mean, they're always in the conversation as, like, an at-large. And, like, people still pay attention. The Syracuse games still end up on, like, MSG and ESPN. Yeah. Um, part of it's because they're in a, a good conference. They're still a relevant program. We'll see if they stay relevant after losing Bayheim. Who they, uh, they, they hired, like, an assistant. They just promoted up to... Uh, to head coach, so we'll see if that works for them. They haven't been relevant in football in a very long time. They're relevant in lacrosse, if that's a, something you care you care about. Sure, you know Syracuse. I they have the state fair in Syracuse. I, I, the only time I was up there to the fairgrounds, I've never actually been to for your, for your uh, vaccine, right? Yes, yes. I had we had to drive to fucking Syracuse because there's no openings in the city of Buffalo at the time. Right. right. So we went to the state fairgrounds, and I. It looked pretty fascinating. I got to say, like, it, it's a big place. I think that's, like, all they have in Syracuse is, like, the, it's so big. It just takes up the whole city. I always wanted to go to the State Fair to see how it is, but I, I just imagine it being so, the like, traffic being so backed up and being so busy that it would just be a, not an enjoyable thing. Mm-hmm. I would love to see, you know, I'd love to see a massive, like, I'm always fascinated by, like, who can grow the biggest carrot or something mm-hmm. you know oh, i love yeah, shit like that right. yeah that that would be cool mm-hmm. maybe it'd be worth the hassle you know or like the fattest like the fattest pig mm-hmm. like who could have the biggest pig <laughs> i think he's in the room there's a few candidates in the city of buffalo I yeah. Think, yeah i i but now that you've brought it up like is there a special price for fattest pomeranian because i can get earnest training <laughs> You should take Ernest to the State Fair. Mm-hmm. Oh, the pom comp. Yeah, uh, I put him in a like a uh, like a baby carriage and just walk around the State Fair, <laughs> dress him up like baby pundit, <laughs> slick back his hair. <laughs> Ernest seen and heard. Why is your dog so wet? It's just pomade. <laughs> well, as we as we wrap up here uh, today, guys, this is this what we call in the business a slow news week. Um, as we as we wrap up today, though. We do want to uh, mention that coming up 
as you may hopefully recall, if not, um, our friend, uh, very good friend of the pod, um, and friend in general, Jen Orr, uh, passed a few months ago, back in October of 2022. Um, her her partner, Jake, is putting together, and along with other people and her brother, right. um, organized a concert as a fundraiser. Concert for Jen will be happening on April 21st, 8 p.m. at Nietzsche's. Um, it'll be $10.00. Uh, to get in the door, there'll be performances, band performances, um, and just a celebration of her life as it would be her her birthday on April twenty yeah. first. There's gonna be there's gonna be some comedy first, you know, because she was active in the stand up comedy scene. Yep, and then some bands. Um, you can get tickets on Eventbrite. I, they're a little bit more expensive on Eventbrite, uh, but that's to cover the fees because they're gonna donate all the money to a yet unidentified uh, mental health charity. Yep, there'll be a performance by the Strip Teasers because Jen was. Um, you know, big in that community as well, in the burlesque community. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll we'll promote it more as the event comes up. Um, but we uh, very much miss our dear friend Jen and uh, want to celebrate her. Um, and we hope everybody whose lives that she touched will also be able to celebrate uh, with us. I think that's all for this week, guys. That's it for me. Yep. All right. Till next time. Thanks. Yeah.